This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Good evening and welcome to the charity gala premiere performance of the new motion picture, GLC. Well, as you can see, it's uh, certainly a glittering night for the stars here tonight on this warm evening here in the heart of London's West End. Earlier on this evening, I spoke to one of the stars of GLC, Charles Bronson, who plays the part of Ken Livingston. There's a story about a, an ordinary guy uh, whose wife and family gets wiped out by these creeps. So, naturally, he has to follow them and, and wipe them out one at a time in a in a prolonged and very cruel way. Mm-hmm, I see, thank you. And, and uh, well, what next for Bronson? Well, uh, uh, we'll get a new twist next time. We're doing a film about a guy who's, uh, whose wife and family aren't wiped out, but who, who decides to go after creeps just the well, same. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Bronson. Phenomena, the music of Kate Butch. I am Cecily, and this week we're continuing to talk about the various B-sides and collaborations from the Central World era. And this week we're going to be talking about a little song called Ken. And with me to talk about the song this week is someone who's been on the show before, and I'm really glad he's on the show because he's British and he can explain to me some of the British references in the song. We have none other than, who is it we're talking with this week? It's me, Alex Dale. Nice Woo! to be here again. Yes, indeed. You're drinking your tea and I'm drinking my coffee. How American of me. <laughs> yes. Americans just throw tea in the harbor, right? They don't drink it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited. I so I remember early on when I did this, started doing this show, and I I remember like grousing in an early episode, like oh god, when I get to Ken, like, I wasn't <laughs> looking forward to it because at the time I didn't quite like this. After reading through your notes, and then also me going and actually watching the TV the TV episode that this was about, now it makes sense. Now I'm a fan. Oh, great. <laughs> yes. What is it? What was it that you didn't like about it when you heard, heard it and didn't know the backstory? Well, I just thought it was just, I just, did, I thought it was just too silly. And it didn't <laughs> fit with the rest of, just kind of like, it felt like a weird left turn. Like, what <laughs> is this? But now yeah, I yeah. get it. It's very, it it's, goes very much with what this was written for. And so it makes sense. And I like it. I think that's right. I think you have to see it in the context. It's a, it's a, a kind of bubblegum song, I think, or maybe a, it's a parody of a kind of mm -hmm. one of those film montage songs. 
because of the context it was created for. As you say, it's kind of like a sensual world B-side. I think Love and Anger, was it B-side for? Yep, it was a uh, one of the B-sides for Love and mm. Anger. And actually, this is the first of several songs that were written for uh, for this uh, TV, TV that ended up getting released as B-sides for Love and Anger. And I think this was the first one on that track list. Well, nominally, it's about Ken Livingstone, who was and is a British politician. But it's it's a lot more than that because there's kind of layers and layers of kind of irony and stupidity on top of it mm-hmm. that, as you say, may make more sense to a British audience than an American audience. For me, I, I really like this song and I've always liked it because I I could see the silliness in it straight away. And I understand if you know the reference points, you see how absurd it, it is. And I think the over the topness and the, and the funness of it is is really it's really endearing and it's really cute i think i think generally kate kate's got a good sense of humor that tends to be maybe overlooked a little bit and this is part of that genre where she gets a bit silly sometimes it sometimes it can be a bit grating but sometimes i think she gets it really right and i think this is one of those times i really like it yeah so the comic strip how much um what's the best way into this do you think well let's say i mean i guess just kind of generally what this is from. So uh, this is, this song was done for an episode of a comic strip presents and it was a particular episode called GLC, which yes. I know for this episode, I'm not going to like, I, I'm going to let you do a lot of explaining. I'll kind of like chime in every, chime okay. in every now and then because you're, you're more from the culture than I am. Okay. And I don't want to <laughs> step on anybody's toes. And I'll be periodic sure. like, oh yeah, that thing, blah, 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 or something like okay. that. <laughs> okay. That sounds, okay. That sounds like a good idea. Kate is interesting because she came up uh, through a kind of culture, English culture in particular, at mm-hmm. the same time as a lot of alternative comedians in the UK. So um, she was like a contemporary of, although not a direct contemporary as in friends with at first, but I think of the same generation of people like French and Saunders, the young ones. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of your audience will, will know these kind of reference points, right? Mm-hmm. So French and Saunders are in this episode of the comic strip. Uh, and the comic strip... I think started as a, a live comedy show, uh, as a showcase for what at the time were or what you would have called alternative comics. So as opposed to kind of that slightly dying tradition in England of, of kind of uh, men in velvet jackets telling jokes about their wives, you know, uh, full of in smoky rooms. It was a different kind of comedy. It was a bit more uh, edgy. It was uh, took on different subjects, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the the comic strip was a showcase for that kind of material. Uh, and if they got a TV show. So what they were very good at was um, they've done a bunch of stuff. And Kate, I think, has been involved with a, a couple of those projects, which is quite interesting. Um, this one, GLC, The Carnage Continues is the name of the episodes, was made in 1990. And it's... It's a kind of joke within a joke in that the episode is about a, a period of English political history in the early 80s, but it's made in the 90s. So already it's kind of looking backwards. So it's kind of it's distant, right? It's ironized. Mm-hmm. And then the way that they've approached the topic is quite it's quite shrewd in that they've what they've said is 
what would be the dumbest way of talking about this period of history? An American blockbuster movie. What would that look like? And, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it works really well. So lots of jokes are just about unlikely comic actors playing unlikely real actors playing unlikely real world politicians if that makes sense yes and when i was watching this before we talked because you can find the whole thing on youtube which i was very glad of and i recommend it too i really do i'm going to link to it in the show notes so y'all can see this (laughs) y'all and um when i was watching it it threw me for a loop because i'm so used to hearing robbie coltrane speaking in an english accent yeah, you're a wizard, Harry. So, yeah. yeah, you know, you're a wizard, Harry. Like, I'm yeah. so used to that. And then it took me a second to realize, oh, wait a minute, because I, I am familiar with classic movies. And I know of Charles Bronson and that he's yeah. like this kind of kind of tough guy, kind of like like Clint Eastwood type almost. Yeah. And so it threw me like, oh, wait a minute, that's him. And he's an American accent. Oh, Actually, his American accent's really good. <laughs> like he's going oh, you for liked this. It. <laughs> yeah, I did. Like it, it's like this. It's he's going for like kind of generic tough guy. I would say almost kind of a Midwest accent because that's kind of like I think what most people think of like in a quote unquote American accent. Uh-huh. If it's not a Southern draw, kind of like where I am a little bit in North Carolina, uh-huh. and some of my neighbors kind of talk a little like this, then it's kind of like flat. They they almost call it like broadcaster speech, broadcast okay. accent, where it's like <clears throat> flat middle American, like all that fun stuff. And but no, his accent was really good. And just like, yeah, seeing him and then that montage when this song is actually playing. <laughs> Horace is running for the leadership of the GLC again. You're the only man who can take him on and win. No, no, not me. I'm through with committees and long sessions and procedure. This is my life now. This old river gives me everything I need. You better find yourself another man or woman. But what if I told you that Horace is going to flood the whole of South London? He's going to turn it into Marina. County Hall's going to be a yacht club. He can't do that. He's crazy. It's the Ice Maiden's idea. He'll go through with it, all right? Besides, who's going to stop him? British stuff too. Like I'm, in, I like Doctor yeah. Who, and yeah. I've seen. I, I would see like a bit of Fry and Laurie, and excellent. Yeah, yeah. I love Monty Python. I now love Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like I totally didn't get that in high school. Now <laughs> I just laugh at it. Like oh, it's only a flesh wound. So like yeah. I, I also get more of the humor now too, which really right. helps. Fry, <laughs> uh, Fry and, and Laurie, they've also done stuff together. So Fry, Stephen Fry was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 50 words for snow he he was recounting all of the words for snow yeah <laughs> Laurie, what did Hugh Laurie do Hugh Laurie was in the experiment four video mm-hmm. they've done loads uh, as was Dawn French in fact so she has this she's part of that that crew of people that crowd and I think Robbie Coltrane so Robbie Coltrane plays Charles Bronson playing 
Ken Livingstone, which is inspired. <laughs> so one of the things I want to, to kind of skirt around delicately here right, is Ken Livingstone is a real guy. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So he's probably quite a divisive figure politically. So I'm not going to go into that because it's too much, right? right. But what's important is his, not him as a, as a real person, but his persona, right? The way people imagine him, that's the important thing is that he's like a cuddly, sensible kind of old man, right? That's his archetype. Um, and he's kind of got embedded in English culture with that kind of archetype. So in the 90s, I think uh, Blur did some stuff with him because he has that kind of slightly old-fashioned, upstanding, at least <clears throat> that persona, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to cast, to pretend to cast Charles Bronson as Ken Livingston is already ridiculous because Charles Bronson is what death wish like the, yep. the most kind of death wish un- unreconstructed machismo ludicrously over the top kind of macho just ridiculous movie and then Robbie Coltrane <laughs> of course again is nothing like Charles Bronson Robbie Coltrane is I don't know he's again he's a kind of lovable but bear of a man he's Hagrid right so, yeah <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> and then the whole episode is just full of uh really really great jokes like that just con- consistently casting against type so for um some of the some of the, the characters i don't i don't even know who they are so dawn french is playing Cher, playing joan ruddock now i've googled joan ruddock and i still have no idea who she is or what she did exactly <laughs> right yeah <laughs> big, big shrugs all around here right so, but I think that's maybe even funnier in that way. So you get Cher, who's won Oscars for Moonstruck and what have you, mm-hmm. and then Dawn French. One of the things, I mean, French and Saunders, when they were really big, like early early nineties, like nineties, basically, when they had their show and everything, their genius was always to really uh, lampoon over the top, earnest, often American celebrities. So. They did In Bed with a Madonna really well, like two of them dressed as Madonna. Um, oh, what else did they do? I can't remember. Oh, it's, I'm blanking now. But they're very good at, or, well, in another one of the comic strips, um, Jennifer Saunders plays Meryl Streep. And they do this brilliant gag about just, uh, oh, I just thought my character would be peeling an orange, like just really having a go at all of this kind of over-the-top method acting that goes on and all of this stuff. So she's constantly pulling focus and stealing focus by just doing business in the background. Like, I just thought my character would be peeling an orange right now. Um, is this making any sense or am I just going on? A little bit. It does make some sense. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Please tell me you can chop this together at least. <laughs> I can. The magic of editing. Yeah. Great. I didn't think I would end up down this uh, down this avenue, entertaining though it is. I think the point is that yeah, they they cast a lot of people for comic effect, as you would expect in the mm-hmm. comedy. Um, Dawn, uh, Jennifer Saunders plays Brigitte Nielsen, playing Margaret Thatcher. And that's pretty funny. Oh my gosh! Yes, I totally got that one. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at the very end with the big confrontation, just like yeah. <laughs> the gun shooting out of her horrible. 
I know. So it's even Margaret Thatcher, it's like some kind of extraterrestrial Margaret Thatcher. Like she, when she bleeds, she bleeds like a predator. She's like this glowing yellow blood that mm-hmm. oozes out of her mouth and stuff. She gets kind of speared by this flagpole, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, um, so it was a flagpole. Yeah. So they have a lot of fun with it. Um, so, of course, every kind of action... So. Let me see if I can try and distill the story. I mean, the story is is ludicrous. So they take this period of English history where London was run by the Greater London Council. That's the GLC. That's the GLC in the title. Uh, and it was it was at the time Margaret Thatcher was in power, conservative right wing, the GLC more left leaning. So there was conflict, right? Mm-hmm. So. After a certain period of time had passed, and it was safe to kind of make jokes about it, 1990, they did this, the comic strip then does this kind of very stupid, ironic, piss take of the whole situation by making an American action movie out of it. Dramatic movie, they make a big, dumb uh, blockbuster, like a real high concept 80s film. Think Mm -hmm. Beverly Hills Cop. Did you have an example in mind? I did actually, and um, in my notes, because I noticed at the very end during the big blowout that the way that uh, Ken Livingstone was holding the gun and he had like the, yeah. it made me think of Rambo. Yes, there's lots of that. I was thinking yeah. of Rambo. That for Rambo, I've only seen one of the movies. I've only seen First Blood, but I know uh-huh. the general gist, you know, like, Big Sylvester Stallone, yeah. big tough guy. Yeah, and or like Lethal Weapon, that kind of thing. Lethal Weapon is perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So imagine yeah. squealing guitars, lots of car chases, <laughs> destruction, <laughs> explosions, that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, the most kind of inappropriate way of imagining this period of of London history, right? Um, and the, the story is, I guess, that uh, Margaret Thatcher seems to be some kind of evil alien she wants to kill ken livingstone who's trying to improve the city uh there's a confrontation he wins and then there's a a twist in the tail at the end that's kind of a bit like carrie i guess this hand comes out yes i thought of that too carrie yep yeah just to give it that little ludicrous payoff um but within that they just have a lot of fun with all the kind of tropes of that action movie genre so one of the things i did like about his accent, his American accent, is he does say Ken Livingstone, whereas an English person would say Ken Livingston, which mm-hmm. is one of the, he gets it right in a kind of wrong way. Um, and I particularly enjoyed um, Dawn French pretending to be Cher. So Cher is, I don't think, a particularly good actress, although she has won an Oscar. The, the story is <clears throat> with Cher's performance in, I think it's Moonstruck, is that the director managed to stand off camera and basically coach her all the way through that movie. He said, look down, look up, there you go, brilliant, You've, in the can. And then mm-hmm. she wins an Oscar. So <laughs> Dawn, Dawn French then gets gets that wooden kind of, do you love him, mommy? Yes, no, I don't know. It's also brilliantly camp that uh, she nails it. <clears throat> so... Every action movie has, of course, a montage, a training montage, or and this is where that we get to the song, right? Finally, now mm-hmm. scene. I think I think Beverly Hills Cop is a good reference point because that has big songs going on over the action sequences. So things like uh, "Shake Down, Shake Down, You're Busted," "Shake Down, Break Down, Take Down," everybody wants to do the crowd alive. 
the neutron dance, the pointer mm-hmm. sisters, that kind of thing. It has to <laughs> do the neutron dance. And it's hard to say just how something's never changed. And it's hard to find any dream to draw the line. Oh, I'm just burning, doing the neutron dance. I'm just burning, doing the neutron dance. I also thought of something else, which was uh, especially with the Who's a Funky Sex Machine, yeah. made me think of the first line from the theme from Shaft. Yes. Who's the black private dick that's a sex machine to all the chicks? Shaft. Shaft. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching this. Who's the black private dick that's a sex machine to all the chicks? Shaft. You're damn right. Never noticed that, but absolutely, of course it is. Of course it's Shaft. Mm-hmm. Who's the funky sex machine? Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> and also, just the way that she like says that she's she's asking a question, and then they all shout, "Ken!" They all shout his name afterwards. Which you know. <laughs> Yeah, so the lyrics are not much to speak of. They are definitely Shaft. Um, I think also Rawhide, Head em Up Mo- mm-hmm. Mo- Mo- <laughs> is Rawhide. <laughs> Just because one of the other, this is another brilliant piece of character casting. So one of the writers, I think it is John Richardson of the show, also plays Tony Benn, who's a real English politician, uh, sadly no longer with us. Uh, but they cast him as Lee Van Cleef. Again, completely 180 degree casting from who you'd expect it to be. And all he does all the way through the show is just kind of utter one word, maybe. He smokes this pipe. He has this brilliant, creaky leather jacket that just kind of creaks as he's walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just this mysterious, shadowy background character. Um, how did I get onto uh, Tony Benn? Oh, my God. Oh, because Raw- of Rawhide. Western. Yes. Westerns. Oh, past- yes. And the, the end showdown is a combination of something like the Alamo and Rourke's Drift and all of these kind of last man standing, shoot him up kind of um, <clears throat> confrontations. Uh, got Aid Edmondson in it. I'm just really, Aid Edmondson, I love Aid Edmondson. He's so funny. He's just brilliant. Um, this is the lyrics. Head him up, vote for men, Lee Van Cleef. Uh, and yeah, musically, it's a fanfare. So it's like ass, dun, dun, big, mm-hmm. you know, coming on stage kind of thing. Um, I love the, I love the drums. Um, I think somebody should sample them and make a song out of just that intro drum loop. I think it'd be brilliant over and over again. Over and over again. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, my, um, that's my immediate take on it. 
I think I think it's just I think she, she so I think she manages to enhance the story very well with this kind of training montage. She she does real exposition, but also takes the piss out of expositionary songs. So she's like bigging up Ken Livingston. He's a funky sex machine. He's the man we all need, right? He's gonna. He's he's not left. He's not right. He's the man for the moment. He's gonna come down the middle, you know. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, it's just, I, I think she nails it. It's just really funny. Or the part where he's tell him he's to come and rescue me. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, because he's so big and he's so strong, and oh, he's gonna go and come and save all the ladies, all the damsels yeah. in distress. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then you see, I mean, Robbie Coltrane. I, I, who knows? I have the impression that Robbie Coltrane's a really nice guy, but he seems like a very unlikely sex symbol. I don't, I don't know, like. He's a big guy. Uh, I think Ken Livingston is a very unlikely sex symbol. He's, you know, yes. Oh, very much so. (laughs) (laughs) I reckon in the 70s, probably a lot of women went for Charles Bronson, but I don't know. Exactly. Who knows, right? I'm also not the person to ask because I'm not straight, so. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing. I'm stabbing in the dark here. Probably. Um, Obviously, it's not her most serious song. I think it's a very silly throwaway song. But I think like everything that she does, she's committed to it very well and she delivers the joke properly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just other bit, there are other bits of Kate's music in that show. So it's, it uses Waking the Witch a lot as kind mm-hmm. of background scene setting really nicely. Uh, it uses the 12-inch dance remix of Running Up That Hill. Yep. Uh, in a, in a scene where Joan Rudd, so hang on, where Cher playing Joan Ruddick is being picked up in a bar, which is also a very good, very amusing scene. <clears throat> so there's a piss take of the old 80s Levi's ad as well, where the guy walks into, maybe this might have been an English phenomenon, I don't know. In England in the 80s, uh, there was a very famous advert for Levi's where a guy goes into a laundromat, he takes his jeans off, He's got boxer shorts underneath. He puts them in the washer. It washes, uh, you know, and just the, the women enjoy the spectacle. Uh, and there's a very brief tribute to that, or piss take, depending on how you want to look at it, where the guy is at the jukebox and he just starts unbuttoning these jeans and he's got these boxes underneath. Oh, I did notice <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a ridiculous throwaway gag, I think. All of Cher's kids all have the same ridiculous cheap black curly wig on. That makes me laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. Just, um, <laughs> what else? Oh, I don't know. What did you take away from this thing? Well, I well, first of all, like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I also watch a lot of British stuff with uh, with my girlfriend because um, mm-hmm. she also likes a lot of that humor and she gets it and okay. I get it too. It's just like the dry the dry humor of it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was utterly ridiculous. Like I I got totally that it's a send up because I love eighties movies, so I got that it was a send up of like the eight like Hollywood blockbusters yeah. and all that and. Uh, what the character that he was trying to play with, you know, big tough guy, Charles Bronson, that kind of thing. And I I thought it was utterly ridiculous, but I loved it. <laughs> and her <laughs> song, her song works really well over, over the training montage. 
I mean, yeah. gosh, I'm almost surprised that there was one scene where he was over the, the montage. He was drinking look like milk. She, yeah. They should have had him drinking. Egg, they should have had him drinking eggs because that's what he does in Rocky. Oh, uh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that in Rocky that he's that uh, Sylvester Stallone is drinking raw eggs <laughs> to be all like, mm, tough guy. I, I can imagine Robbie Coltrane saying, there's no way I'm drinking raw eggs for anyone, funny or not. Like, probably. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or possibly they thought milk was even more bland and more safe than raw eggs. And it's just a more ludicrous thing that you could drink mm -hmm. during a training montage. What's the most mild-mannered, like, milk? Just drink some milk. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, I thought it was also, I had to look this up because I was curious when, uh, during the montage that, that uh, he hold, he lies down on a bed and he holds up yeah. a, a newspaper that says Red Ken on it. I'm going, oh, what Red is Ken. that? So I was that, wondering about yeah. that. That was his nickname, Red Ken. So his reputation was, he was a very radical left wing almost kind of communist, hence red, right? Oh, like, okay. There you go. So when, so when you wanted to smear him or belittle him or kind of make light of his policies or whatever you wanted to do, you would call him Red Ken, and that would, uh, in an attempt to kind of take the edge off or, uh, you know, make him appear more ridiculous. Uh, and then within that newspaper... Oh, okay. I guess I I put this in my notes where I put in just a quick blurb. Okay. Oh, the mainstream press gave him the moniker Redken in reference to his socialist beliefs and heavily criticized him for supporting controversial issues like republicanism, LGBT rights, woo, and and the United Ireland. So I'm just I'm just watching it now. He drinks he drinks a pint of milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Redken ate my baby. All right. So. Yeah, Red Can Ate My Baby is a oh, joke. Oh, so, the Dingo Ate My Baby. Yeah, that's 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 one reference. Dingoes Ate My Baby. And then the other half of the joke is a very, very specific English pop reference, my God, pop culture reference. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, the Sunday Sport is not a reputable newspaper. It's a trash newspaper that does almost borderline libelous stories, just made up bullshit, like a, a rag. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's like a scandal rag or whatever. They, were, they, they ran a story in the 80s about a, a, a has-been comedian called Freddie Starr. And the headline, which has gone, gone down in history, was Freddie Starr Ate My Hamster. Now, I can't remember exactly. I can't remember the background to this story. But most people of a certain generation, my generation probably, would... If you said Freddie Starr, they would say, Freddie Starr ate my hamster. Like, it's just embedded as a joke now mm -hmm. because of this one made up. Of course, he didn't eat a hamster. It's ridiculous. But for whatever reason, they printed it as a story and it's now famous. So Red Ken ate my baby is, yeah, it's a double-handed, double-pronged joke. Mm -hmm. Dingles ate my baby and Freddie Starr ate my hamster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, they're, they're very good at, you know, they're very... Let me see now. Where does it fit in the cake canon? Yeah. Well, it's, it definitely shows her more silly side. And that's not something that I don't think a lot of people really think of. Um, and certainly that I didn't think of before I really, really dug into songs like this for the show. And, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, she's, she did uh, 
the do the the do bear song with Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. So she's gotten a, gotten to see a little bit of like her sense of humor, but I think probably the general public thinks of her as this very serious person, but she's actually not. I think she's yeah. I think she has a a a, a very silly side, like when you if you I track down stuff on YouTube as you can imagine. Um, what did I find? I found in the seventies when she was doing lots of publicity, she did some stuff with um, Kenny Everett, who was a, an early 80s English comedian that was very, very funny. Just um, all she had to do was read her answers to his questions in the wrong order. Oh, um, I saw that clip. Yeah. yeah. At this point in the show, I'm going to interview Kate Bush, and she should be here any minute now. What's that? These are my answers. Answers? I'll need questions. Could I have the impromptu questions, please? <laughs> well, Kate, how old are you, Kate? Manchester. Funny, you don't look a day over Salford. <laughs> Where were you born? Where were you born, Kate? I started when I was very young, but professionally only about three years. I think I've been there. <laughs> how long have you been singing? Oh, yes. So far, so bad. <laughs> do you write all your own songs, and where do you get your ideas? Well, carbolic soap, and then I just leave it messy. Really? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've been talking to Kate Bush, and she's been talking to somebody else. <laughs> and the fact that she was laughing while she was doing it, it just made it even better, because the whole thing just fell apart really quickly in a very, in a very cute way. And then um, she did, what else did she do? Uh, Comedy-wise, hang on. What was it? Oh man. Oh, lay oh, dogs yeah, or les dogs. Les, I, yes, I I always I'm always tempted to say les dogs, but I think it's lay dogs. But that's really worth watching if you haven't watched it already. Um, lay dogs is also the comic strip, so it's the same crew of people broadly speaking the same set of comedians i think it's written by the same guy john richardson i think and she plays a bride um the story the, oh god the story is very odd so i think it's a businessman is killed in a car crash but in his dying moments he has this whole fantasy where he escapes unhurt gate crashes a wedding runs away with the bride and then just as he's about to kind of settle down happily with this bride, he's bending over to kiss her, and then her eyes turn into headlights of the oncoming car, and then he's dead, finally. So it's it's a very odd and very disturbing watch. But really, I really like it. It's very, um, the atmosphere and the ambiance is very creepy, and it's just packed with really good performers that, that you like watching, like Miranda Richardson, Loads, loads of kind of Kate collaborators who you'd expect. Miranda Richardson, who I love so much. She's just... Um, you, oh, you're going to get onto the line the crossing the curve soon, aren't you, probably? Yep, yep. That's yeah. going to be the next season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're going to have to talk about Miranda Richardson. And, and I, um, I love watching Kate, who's not an actor, let's be honest, acting against actors who are... Hey, no, well, She's she's very charming. She's very beautiful, mm -hmm. you know. No disputing that, and she can deliver lines. 
but she has a kind of she's a very play acting actor like she's not she's not kind of feeling it she's kind of pretending which is one way of acting i think like so uh, in in the in the i think it, i think it's great in the line the cross and the curve when Miranda Richardson would get sorry I'm getting ahead of myself but it's worth thinking about so she comes through the mirror and uh, she's all kind of, oh, where am I all of that who are you where the bloody hell have you come from all of this very high school acting I think in a in a, in a nice way but she's not the most gifted actor in that way mm-hmm. um, so to get back even slightly on topic Les Darks is full of really just who else is in it? Alexis Sale is in it. Um, oh man, ah, just people you want to watch. Anyway, yeah, she did that. She did. Um, there's an interview with her for a show called Rapido, which was a European show, where you see her working on the sensual world. Also coming, no, also just gone, I think. And it's really cute. So you see her in the engineering studio with Dell Palmer, and. They're obviously not doing anything. They're just messing around with sliders. So she just kind of leans over and starts to strangling them and stuff like this. So you can see that she has this very silly side that needs to be let off the leash occasionally, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm really rambling now. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, yeah, with, with this, with Ken, she gets to like let out a little bit of that, that whimsical side of herself that you don't really get to see very often. That's also very tongue in cheek. Yes, tongue in cheek is a is a mm-hmm. is the right way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very much in tongue in cheek. <laughs> yes, I think even stuff like um, when she did the, um, the director's cut, and she did the Rubber Band Girl uh, remix, I think that was her joking at her own expense because it's such a it's such a stupid version of that song. Like, yeah, like she does it in this kind of Elvisy. It sounds mm-hmm. like they set up in the studio, recorded it in five minutes, and then when should we put on the only album? Yeah, all right then. You know, so I think she does have a when she when she lets herself be be silly, I think it's very charming and very and revealing. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it just reveals more more of her human side instead of like think, yeah, yeah. always instead of always playing a character. Instead, you get to actually like see a little bit more of who she really is i yeah do you know what you're right i think because i'm she she was always at great pains to say in her in her songs she's not her it's like she's always inhabiting another character and Mm -hmm. i think you're absolutely right i think maybe the silly side is actually closer to who maybe she really is a little bit like you do actually see some of her a more human side yeah yeah it's nice Mm mm-hmm yeah, because she's not, you know, for all the comparisons that people make between her and Tori Amos, who I'm also mm. a huge fan of, mm-hmm. like, no, she's not like a confessional <sighs> thing at the piano like Tori. Like, I like Tori and Kate for two very different things. Like, Tori yeah, yeah. is like the bleeding, I'm like confessing this ter- this awful trauma that happened to me and I'm going to help you heal through it. Mm-hmm. And this is me on the stage at the piano versus Kate, who's like, she, maybe she, she'll she maybe put her point of view about something, but it's through the point of view of a character instead of it always being about her. Yeah. I, I, that's something else I do wonder about because I, it feels like you've got a, I think you've got a rocky road ahead with the red shoes because I, I feel like there's a lot of very real 
very sad songs that mm-hmm. are confessional on there. It would be a good disco song, actually, Ken. I, f- I, I do feel like I've stuck it on. When I, I bought the vinyl, not at the time, but I think maybe a couple of years after, I don't remember listening to it. I don't know which came first. I don't know if I saw the TV show first or if I heard the song first. I probably saw the TV show first, but I didn't think at the time that I would want to go out and buy Ken as a song, even though I knew it was a Kate Bush song. But then probably, if I remember rightly, I would have been in a record store, found Love and Anger as a single, and then when I flipped it over, you see Ken on the back, you're like, jackpot, yes, right, mm-hmm. I've got Ken, I've got, I, can, I can dance around my bedroom in a stupid fashion. <laughs> Ken so that, that's what it does for me, is it's like, a, I need a cheering up. It's like, you know, um, Soul Bossa Nova, the kind of Austin Powers. There are just some times when you just need that kind of ridiculous over-the-top chirpiness, and that helps. I've had that recently with I've been getting into Girls Aloud. I don't know why they were never popular oh, right. in the United States. But like I listen to their music, I'm just like, let's call you yeah. in the bed to call the shots. I'm like, Everything he does. Or I get the sound of the underground. It's the sound of the yeah. underground. Oh my God. Why was this never a hit in oh, the yeah. United States? <laughs> I don't. It's a mystery to me. Yeah. yeah. They, they, I get that like. Them. I, mean, I get to what you mean. Like, like, just sometimes you just gotta have like nice, happy. <laughs> yeah, particularly over the last eighteen months. Right? I know. Yeah. It was so I weird. I went to the, I went to the supermarket for the first time in a year and a half yesterday without the face mask because in North Carolina you don't have to have a face mask. I mean, if you're fully vaccinated, yeah. you don't have to have a face mask. And I've already have had my two shots. Vaccinated? Okay, great. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good for you. That must have felt good. Oh, yeah. I mean, after the second dose, I kind of felt like crap for about a day, but it was worth it. (laughs) That's weirdly because I also haven't had no two shots as well. So that's what happened to me, strangely. The first one, I didn't feel a thing, but the second one Mm -hmm. knocked me out for a day. It was very odd. But uh, now, uh, yeah. So when I, yeah, I think when I, when I first heard, when I first heard Ken, it was, I think it would have been on the aspects of the central world because that was released um, only in America. And when I was uh, when I was in uh, like it was like mid 2000s, it was right before Ariel was released that I became a fan. And I had a uh, show on my college radio station and they still had bins of music from when they used to be like a low not low level i guess maybe low level it they used to broadcast on the am band mm-hmm. in the area in the uh, the norfolk virginia area so you could actually like tune in to on your car to like maybe 1570 am or something on your radio dial and you could hear the music from wodu which was the um the call sign for the radio station and they still had all these records and cds left over from when they used to have, it used to be an AM station and then when I came around in the mid 2000s you could only listen online um, they did it had an online signal and in the bins they had they had a bunch of CDs left over and one of them was a really worn copy of aspects of the central world and I wish now that I had just like borrowed it <laughs> because I went back a few years after I graduated and they had completely redone the studio, oh, all the um, CDs and everything were gone. 
So who knows where that was? I remember it even had a sticker on it that said for promotional use only. Oh, man. And I'm like, I mean, oh. Even from, even from a purely mercenary point of view, that must have been worth a few a few dollars, you know? Like, Obviously, that's not why we're interested, but, you know, a cynical yeah. person, you know, just pocketed it for that reason alone. My God. How strange. But I borrowed it because I was starting to get into Kate's music at the time. Yeah. Like at that time, I just knew, oh, the, she's someone who gets played on this other all online radio station that I used to listen to called Flashback Alternatives, which is still around. And that's that's the radio station that got me into like more of her deeper cuts because they would play not uh-huh. just the big hits, but also they play a lot of underground 80s music um, like the Lotus Eaters. They're still one of my absolute favorite Albums is uh-huh. no sense of sin. I love that one. The first picture of you, oh, such a beautiful song. And um, I, so I borrowed it from the radio station and I listened to it. And Ken was one of the B sides on there. <laughs> and so, and it was just jarring because it was around like it, it had uh, "I'm Still Waiting" and um, "Be Kind of My Mistakes" was on there. The oh, instrumental for the that. Central yeah, World. Yeah was on there and so it was just kind of jarring you like oh okay i suppose if you come across it in that context it will make absolutely no sense yeah yeah i had no context i had no context for this song whatsoever i'm just like i don't know glc ken who's this ken what (laughs) at first like i thought ken like the ken doll i'm like okay maybe the ken doll I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to make up your own stories. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, the, the, I mean, it's interesting because her B-sides, like, Be Kind to My Mistakes is fantastic. Um, what was the other one you just mentioned? Um, I'm Still Waiting. I'm Still Waiting. Love it. My God. Um, yeah. That's one of my favorites from this era. Like, it it's... It's kind of, you can kind of tell that it was, you can, it almost sounds like something between Hounds of Love and Central World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still like very, like, it, it, the way the gated, you know, boom, psh, boom, boom, psh, boom. It's still yeah. very 80s. The drums are very 80s. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're very welcome. It's always a pleasure. And I look forward to, uh, to hearing the, the end results. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Yay. so much for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. So next week, we're going to go talk about the confrontation. So that is an instrumental piece that was used in the GLC special that we were talking about today. 
And so I'm super excited to talk about that one. Another side of Kate Bush that we haven't really gotten to see a whole lot of, and that is her instrumentals and how she constructs those and everything. But first things first, if you enjoy this cool project that I'm doing, you can go to Twitter at StrangeKateCast. You can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Kate Bush Podcast. And you can also further support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Kate Bush Podcast. Also, I have mentioned throughout the show uh, that I also do music. In fact, the music that you hear in my shows are all pieces of music that I've composed myself. And I have a new album out. It is called Never Enough Flowers, and it's just under my first name, Cecily. It's on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your music, and I'm going to link to that in the show notes. So that's Never Enough Flowers. It's my new album. Super excited. Yay! And as for the show, I'm excited to be talking about more of the Central World B-Sides. And my plan is that by early next year, I will be going into the Red Shoes. So if there are any songs that you like from the Red Shoes era that you would like to talk about, feel free to contact me on Facebook or Twitter and I can see what we can do about getting you on the show. So until then, I'll see everybody next time for the confrontation. See everybody then. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.